deep in London's beating heart lies a wall. I'd like to it be if you know the call. For if the wall steps aside, be not afraid of what you see. Cause the wizard world has opened up as has the Griffin's dream. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Shriekcast. This is a Harry Potter reread podcast for lapsed fans. I am your host, ZC. And I'm Liz. And Liz, it is the spookiest day of the year. Yeah, that's true. It is it is Halloween. We are recording on on Samhain, Samhain, Samini, whatever you want to, however you pronounce that. Hallow's Eve, um, the day that Harry's parents got yeeted. It is a it is it is quite a day um, in, in history, both in real life. And in Harry Potter, and how are you feeling on this on this day of spooks and scares? Uh, you know, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, I watched some of uh, Halloween Town last night on on the Disney streaming uh, on YouTube. Uh, last weekend, I watched my favorite horror movie, The Ring. Uh, so oh, I'm, I got really yeah. festive this year, actually. That's a good movie. I like it. The is. Ring. It has some some definite early two thousands flair, but. Um, it was it was one of my favorite horror movies as a as a young teen, and uh, I would say it holds up in a surprising way. Have you seen the the original one that it's based on? I was never able to track it down, and I haven't watched The Ring uh, since like two thousand two or whatever. So this was kind of my my rewatch, uh, and I'm interested in finding out if I can find the original more easily now in twenty eighteen yeah. than I could in two thousand two. I'd say it's worth watching. They're they're both really good, I think. Uh The Ring, the the US version has the bonus of it being really funny that it's a VHS tape that, yeah. that uh that's involved. I, I um, love that they that the you know, the two thousands version, they really just go for it without any cultural context whatsoever. Yes. Um it's very just like straight face delivery. Um that kind of makes it kind of an added layer of funny to me. Yeah, it's um yeah, it's I'd say it's like a good movie but it it it, it it's funny watching it more recently uh and realizing how old it is and how it's like like the way we think of like 80s slasher movies is like these weird time capsules. <laughs> that movie uh-huh. is 100% a time capsule for Yeah, definitely. The early I 2000s. I enjoyed it though. That's really cool. Well, I've not watched any horror movies recently, but I have been on some scary websites. Ooh. And folks, I'm not talking about twitter.com. I'm talking about <laughs> Bustle. Oh, that's the scariest website of them all. Bustle um has rolled out i think this is new it never happened to me before and i have adblock installed uh-huh. um and i don't think that this <clears throat> technically counts as like an ad that that adblock would pick up but mm-hmm. um in my my podcast research um zone i have been making it a habit to go to bustle and searching harry potter because they usually have something new and they'll have a funny headline or an article about some crap that they want you to buy um but they've really kind of removed the disguise here um and now when you search for stuff it just gives you shopping results at the top before it shows you the article results i mean that's gonna make it a lot easier to get that muggle fucker cup 
Right. You're going to be able, yeah. When you're, when you're finally pulling the trigger on that, that, uh, on that epic wine glass, you will be able to just go to bustle, search Harry Potter, and it'll be right there for you. Um, I mean, if you think about it, maybe Bustle, it really is, you know, the scariest website. And it's just, you know, uh, capitalism is the horror ARG that, that we didn't, <laughs> that we know we're all in. <laughs> That's exactly it. Um, yeah. So that, yeah, using the a thin veneer of like pop feminism to get you to buy bull crap. Um, really good stuff. But this led me, led us, I suppose, down a rabbit hole here of william sonoma's harry potter collection yeah um, i mean william sonoma is sort of is related to pottery barn in some way right i believe they own pot or like pottery barn is like a subsidiary brand of theirs yeah something i mean william sonoma is like a holiday tradition uh oh yeah to, to make fun of the catalog so we got kind of an early start this year we did. Um, so I guess, uh, yeah, this is kind of like a double whammy of holiday stuff because we're in, we're recording on Halloween, mm-hmm. but by the time this episode goes live, it will be November, which means that Thanksgiving is coming up. Yeah. Um, and Thanksgiving is the worst holiday in the world. Yeah. Uh, it sucks both from like, you know, like historical and political standpoint it's not very good but also it's just a fucking boring shitty holiday um there's no ghosts there's no goblins there's no gift giving uh there's no cool pagan origin or anything it's just kind of a bummer all around right yeah it's a dud it's a dud we're we're really in in the holiday season and it's like thanksgiving is such a dud i guess it's a four-day weekend which is the best thing i can say about it that is a good part yeah um but uh the best part i would say maybe like the saving grace of of thanksgiving is the william sonoma catalog um that is the that, that is when you know you're in the holiday season is when that that thing starts showing up yeah um and they've got some harry potter goodies this year that's great. Uh, the main one I would like to talk about mm-hmm. is the Harry Potter TM Hedwig Stife. Hmm. Um, now, Stife, I guess, is a uh, plush a co- toy company. A collectible Col- plush toy company. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I get it. You know, um, obviously... I think, like with any toy, there's definitely like a, a range, a, a budget range. I spent an embarrassing amount of money on a statue this weekend because I was at an anime convention, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the difference usually is that, like, when you're paying more for a toy, I would say that you are expecting at least one, but probably two things. One, it is very high quality compared to, like, a normal action figure or plush toy, right? Sure, yeah. Number two, it is a lot bigger than one that you would normally find at the store, right? I think those are the two things where you can say, okay, yeah, sure, I will pay more for this, right? I'm a little iffy on the second point, because I I always think of maybe the most expensive plush toy that you can buy at Target is probably huge, right? Like, I... I guess I, I just don't like why. Yeah. 
Well, no, that's but what I'm saying, though, right? It's like, 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 oh, like either or thing. Either, I see, either I or, see. like, yeah, sure. like you can either it's going to be very high quality and or it's going to be huge, right? Like, like those are when you're buying a toy and it's very expensive. Okay, those are yeah. like the two, the two categories where you're like, okay, sure. Like a big Lego set is fucking expensive, but like, you know, that's fine because there's a lot of pieces or whatever sure now this harry potter hedwig stife this is a little difficult to get across on an audio show but we will post the picture on the twitter when when the time comes this thing's fucking terrible uh yeah it's head i think it's really difficult to make hedwig not cute Uh um but they have found a way and maybe that's why it's so expensive uh i know you've already seen the price but maybe 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 you've forgotten can you can you take a crack at the exact price of this for me 60 bucks for a, okay so you're saying for, a, for like, a like high quality collectible plush toy yeah um from williams try, sonoma try 324 dollars and 95 cents okay so when you when you asked me i had the number in my head 109 but i decided to play along <laughs> and be like i'll lowball it you know yeah. for the sake of the uh-huh. of the joke there and then it was going to be about a hundred bucks i for no. i did i legitimately forgot it was it's like 300 bucks it's 325 fucking dollars for this shitty plush toy that okay so i looked at the picture and it was awful but it's one of those pictures that's like in a like they've they've photoshopped everything out of the background right so like uh-huh. you have no context and i was like okay well maybe it's huge right like maybe this is sure. like a, a bed-sized owl yeah it fucking better be no it is seven inches tall it is I, awful. I, I can't get across how not cute it is. And, and the weird thing to me here is that I'm, I'm sure it's like made with fine materials. And I read that it's like each one is handcrafted because uh, that's the whole p- point of the brand or whatever. So they're all a little bit different. But they really didn't lean into like one direction or the other with Hedwig. Like they could have <laughs> made it look like like more of an idealized owl, I guess, that would be traditionally cute. They could have leaned more into like the snowy owl realism but they did kind of neither she looks very lanky and like (laughs) no owl has ever looked her wings look like pieces of non-bread yeah (laughs) it's very weird um the the 109 figure that you were quoting i guess is from the buckbeak one oh yep that's what i was thinking of and to be fair i do think the buckbeak is a lot cuter the buckbeak is definitely cuter i would not i would still not say it is worth the price um no uh, i'm sure i've seen cuter buckbeaks the thing i'm confused about is why is the hedwig the expensive one when the buckbeak is definitely more complicated like it has like four different leg things and yeah, and... Hedwig, Hedwig looks like a duck. <laughs> like kind of legs so long, but not like a not like a real duck, like a um uh like a Bugs Bunny duck. Yeah. And I say Bugs Bunny duck because I can't remember what the duck's name is on on the, in that cartoon. Uh, Daffy Duck. Daffy Duck. I was like Donald Duck. Like, no, that's the wrong duck. Um, different card. She looks like a cartoon duck. Is my point. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. It's very odd. I don't know. Is this just like a? I mean, this is William Sonoma, right? And I, I imagine that people who are actually buying stuff from William Sonoma, not just like us who are like laughing at the catalog, like money is no object. Sure, I will buy a three hundred dollar Hedwig toy. But I even for William Sonoma, this seems like 
fucking insane. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And it's just, just not a very attractive doll, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah, I like I am I am totally fine. I will I will ogle an expensive toy, you know, and, and wish that I could get it. But this is this is a case where it's like why is it three hundred dollars? Yeah, at the price know. point that it's at, and not not looking very good, it better be made out of like real fur or something. Is it stuffed with gold, like <laughs> like. Yeah, very confusing. Um, but uh, but 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 definitely take a look at the William Sonoma Harry Potter catalog. They have a lot of dumb shit. They have some spatulas. They have cookie cutters. They have, um uh some glasses they do not have um anything that says muggle fucker or which is a real shame um i know that they have a lot of like famous people come on and and make collections for them so i would just like to throw out that if they'd like to invite the shrieking shack on to (sighs) to create a harry potter collection for william sonoma um well i would never do that but it (laughs) it would be nice we definitely would uh we if if i think that if william sonoma came out of the blue and said hey the shrieking shack would you design some dumb bullcrap for us and also appear in one of our hilarious videos where someone tells you how to decorate a coffee table i would do it yeah it's kind of a selling your soul kind of situation though yeah that's true but think of think of all of the uh, incredible microphone equipment we could buy with that money so I can do better Jordan B. Peterson voices. That That is a compelling argument. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so moving on from, from, from Bustle and Williams-Sonoma, we now go to an even more money-focused website. Um, I'm sorry to take you here. I know you are, are a little spooked and scared by this website, but it is Halloween, so I must mm-hmm. ask you to face your fears here. Okay. Um, we are on Forbes.com. Ouch. This is maybe the worst uh, website that we've gone to yet. Probably up there for sure. Um, but this is, an, this is an important one. We've got to dive into it. This is the box office predictions for Crimes of Grindelwald. Oh. Now, the interesting thing here, this is a very fucking long article. with A lot of weird bullshit, and I'm not going to read all of it. But there is a core thing here that is quite interesting, which is that it is tracking uh, a lot lower than the first one. Hmm. Um, I say a lot. It's like 10%, actually 12.7%, excuse me, um, is, is 12.7% lower, which I guess is like not unheard of for a sequel, but also probably not where they want to be, considering that the first movie wasn't, like the first Fantastic Beast made a lot of money. I think it was like the number nine or twelve. It was up there for, in terms of like overall for that year. But for WB, like for a big studio, that's like not enough probably. And there's five of these things. And if it keeps tracking down, yeah. that's kind of hmm. Wouldn't it be crazy if it got canceled? Oh my god, I could not imagine. Could you imagine, like? what the reddit would be like if they cancel if they just like didn't make another fantastic beats movie i i'm so torn but like between these these two siren songs of content that would be out there for us you know because on the one hand it's like we have five 
movies written by jk rowling about like in the harry potter universe on the horizon on the other hand the reaction to fantastic beasts the series getting cut halfway through and like the franchise going like defunct would be incredible right or like what or or if there's like a compromise thing where like they cut it down from five movies to three or something uh to make it a trilogy that may maybe a little less of a money sink if it's tracking lower each time i'm just like like it, this probably won't happen i'm sure that, that this movie will probably do just fine but it is interesting to think about like a harry potter movie being not like predicted to set the box office on fire you know yeah i mean i think that fantastic beasts the first one must have had some pull just as being J.K. Rowling is writing Harry Potter again, right? Because mm-hmm. she hadn't done that since Deathly Hallows. Like, like Cursed Child came out and got her like seal of approval, but she didn't write it. Um, mm-hmm. So to have this new Harry Potter thing come out and then not like, I mean, it's doing well on like a, a human scale, right? Mm-hmm. But in the like WB scale of like blockbuster movies being like a pretty mediocre movie. Um, both success wise and just as a movie, I, I wonder if this is going to really scare them, especially with all the controversy surrounding crimes of right. Grindelwald. Yeah, I, I think th- that's the running equation, right? Like, how much money guarantee? How much money can we guarantee to be worth more than whatever this bad PR keeps being worth? Right. Right. Like, that's the mental math that that someone is is gonna be doing somewhere um and i'm curious to see how that shakes out it's going up against this is the other interesting part of this article is like the movies it's going up against um Mm -hmm. and it seems to be in mostly a pretty good spot here like from we's perspective because there's not that much else huge coming out this holiday season um Mm -hmm. there's the nutcracker movie which i did not even know existed until yesterday oh yeah um and then the one that they say here might be trouble for fantastic beasts is there's that wreck it ralph sequel coming oh yeah that looks god awful it looks fucking terrible but people are gonna see that movie yeah they will i thought you were gonna say the grinch with benedict cumberbatch well we're gonna see that movie of course we're we are going to see uh the grinch with benedict cumberbatch featuring music from tyler the creator i am so excited for that Um, (laughs) it's gonna be really good (laughs) i bet uh oh and then there's the fucking weird um they're re-releasing deadpool 2 but pg-13 do you hear about this thing wait 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 wait. (laughs) what (laughs) yeah this is insane this is um the, the fantastic beast movie i guess might be going up against in the holiday season uh the recut version of deadpool 2 which came out this year edited down to pg-13 that's wild that's fucking insane i mean i didn't see deadpool 2 i saw one because it was one of those movies that i got talked into as like the good marvel movie right which always happens it happens to me like once a year people are like oh Mm -hmm. this is gonna be the good one and then i watch it and i'm like i was fooled again Mm -hmm. uh like no offense to anyone that's a fan of marvel i think that's that's totally fine um but it's definitely not for me uh and i hated deadpool one so i didn't see the second one 
how can it even work at PG thirteen? Yeah, I was gonna say the of of I did not love the first Deadpool movie. Um, and I think that if you were to ask me, like, what are the things you remember enjoying from it? I would say pretty much most of the stuff that I did like would not fly in a PG-13. Like, you know, like, the, like, I think most of the funniest jokes were probably R-rated uh, content. So imagining Deadpool without any of the, like, funny, surprising gore or anything just sounds like awful right like if it's not like if if you can't at least laugh at it in like a like silly over-the-top slasher movie way i don't i can't imagine what the fuck you would do with that movie yeah um so yeah so it's it's oh it's it's also going up against the mortal engines which is another one that i'm like i keep forgetting that's coming out that that exists um so yeah so interesting financial news uh i guess this this week very spooky very scary um uh the specter haunting uh uh the fantastic beasts franchise but yeah so um we'll we'll see i guess will will it make more than that will it make less than that will they make more of these movies if it flops it will just be so weird imagine a harry potter movie just like flopping straight up that would be so wild to to see happen yeah, I mean, I feel like it could. I think it, it, it could go either feels, way. Yeah, I suppose so. No, no, but t- like, like, tell me, like, what, what, what's, what's in your mind in terms of like flop prediction or, or, or you know, read the tea leaves for me here. I, I just think that, I like, I don't think it's going to do. I don't think it's going to just actually flop but i'm wondering if it will do poorly enough and i also mm-hmm. think it's just going to be a bad movie like like right. that's the other thing that i think is just going to be the nail in the coffin i'm so on board of this like it getting canceled or turned into a trilogy train now uh-huh. it would certainly be interesting do you like i think that's out of all of the possible options i think it being needed to be cut down into a trilogy is the funniest because that means that jk rowling will need to do editing yeah and and i don't think anyone's made her do editing since the year 2000 can they even tell her to edit i don't even know if that's possible oh does she walk if does she get mad does she take it to another studio does like does 21st century fox go like oh we'll take it like we'll we'll Ooh, that would be so weird if it's like hot we're we are we are spinning quite a yarn here. We have no real predictions or ideas, but interesting to think about, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of things that are interesting to think about, we've got our reading for the week. We do. So for our chapters this week, uh, we have we're starting with chapter fourteen, which is called "The Unforgivable Curses," uh, and this is a long one. So brace yourself. I'm braced. Okay, (laughs) Uh, so we jump right back in and it's been two days of classes. We get like a snippet about of Snape being in a really bad mood and people are speculating uh, that it's because he might be scared of Moody and is also just mad that he didn't get the Defense Against the Dark Arts job again. uh, It's finally time for uh, Defense Against the Dark Arts, which all the students have been waiting for that haven't had it because there have been a lot of a lot of talk between classes about Moody and how cool he is and how cool his classes are. 
They go in and they have their books out on their desk and and Moody comes in and says that you won't need them. He says that they're up to date on dirt creatures and kind of lists some of the the lessons that Lupin gave them from the previous year, but says that they are terribly behind on learning about curses and that they would need to, to get up to speed and that he only has one year to teach them all that he knows. And it's a, a favor to Dumbledore. We also learned during the scene that Moody can see through solid objects because he uh, tells Lavender to put away her star chart that she was kind of looking at under the desk. He then asks for uh, any students to tell him what the, I, I can't remember the way he says it. He's like the top most punished curse, like the worst curses that will, that will get you the most, most time in Azkaban. And there are three Ron raises his hand and and volunteers the first curse, which is the Imperious Curse. And Moody kind of recognizes him and and says, you know, oh, you're Arthur Weasley's son. Like, you would know about this one because it gave the ministry a lot of trouble. And he he demonstrates it on a spider. And and we learn that the Imperious Curse can, can take away your free will and that you have to do whatever the caster wants you to do. He also scolds them kind of for laughing at the spider and says like, well, you wouldn't like it if it happened to you. I could make you kill yourself or, or whatever. He, uh, he then kind of explains that it takes like real strength of character to throw off the imperious curse and not everyone can do it. For the second unforgivable curse, Neville raises his hand and it's the, the Cruciatus, Cruciatus curse, which I cannot pronounce. I feel like it sounds really like a lot better in an accent and I just cannot... Mm-hmm. cannot say it so i'm just mm-hmm. gonna say it. i'm gonna say crucio from now on because it sounds it sounds too stupid to say um moody then tortures a spider and it's horrible and neville gets really upset and hermione gets upset and everyone's upset uh for the third third curse hermione raises her hand and it's it's the killing curse and he kills a spider in front of them and it's very spooky and then he we get the piece of information that Harry's parents was killed, were killed by the, the, the Avada Kedavra curse. And he is the only person to ever survive it. Harry kind of recounts the details of his parents' death to us again, uh, kind of citing that uh, he learned about it last year from, from reliving it because of the Dementors. Um, And Moody kind of, gives his his speech after he's told them all the unforgivable curses and says like you know a lot of people wouldn't want you to know this but uh you guys need to know what's out there and and we get kind of his his uh catchphrase which is constant vigilance again after class Hermione kind of ushers them over to Neville who is still really upset and they try to kind of ask him what's up and make him feel better. But Moody shows up and invites him to, to his office for tea. He also asks Harry if he's all right, like maybe he needs to go, go with them. But Harry is defiant and is, and says like, no, I'm, I'm fine. And Moody kind of justifies himself again, saying that they need to know what's out there. Uh, They later see Neville in the common room and he has a book. It's like a herbology book that, that Moody has given him and Harry, Harry kind of thinks to himself that that was a really nice thing that Moody did. And it reminds him of something that Lupin would have done. We get a scene later in the common room where Harry and Ron make up a bunch of stuff for divination, like horrible things that'll happen to them. So they're kind of cheating at their homework. 
During this scene, Fred and George are also working on something mysterious in the corner. Uh, and we hear a snippet of their conversation where they're like trying not to accuse someone of something, uh, but they're being very secretive about it. So we don't find out. Uh, Hermione comes back in the common room. We, you know, through this whole, all these chapters when they've been at school, she's been off at the library. We finally find out what it was and she has her SPEW badges. And then we get another little argument where Ron reiterates that house elves like to be slaves. So she's wrong. Uh, They are about to get into a bigger argument, but it's at this point that Hedwig arrives finally with a letter from Sirius and Sirius says like, and Sirius is responding to Harry saying that his scar was hurting. Uh, and that he has has seen the signs and and so is Dumbledore and he's traveling north. Harry gets mad um, and feels like if Sirius gets t- caught traveling north because of him, it will be his fault. And he's like pretty upset about it. And that's the end of the chapter. What a long chapter. Yeah. This is um, this is weird because it almost feels like the closest this book has been to the style of the previous books i think in that it's like more of a collection of disparate scenes because this book has been going wide a lot more um Mm -hmm. so far and i like this kind of return to the the scene hopping stuff um yeah i have a lot (laughs) i have a lot of thoughts about this chapter and the next chapter but i think i will start by saying i really like the defense against the dark arts class yeah, me too. It's, it's very, very scary. Yeah, it is. It is. It is a very, um, especially with the knowledge going in that this is not Moody. Um, it's David Tennant the whole time. It's David Tennant. It's Doctor Who. Um, yeah, it's 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 a little harrowing, I guess. Um, the stuff with Neville, especially, is very heartbreaking. Um, and the this this just continues to solidify my opinion that the movie, this is like the first major misstep in casting in the movies. Um, yeah. I I'm trying to think back on the movie. I feel like maybe Goblet of Fire is the one that I've seen the least. And I can't even tell if it's really a casting issue or the way that the character was interpreted. I, I really feel like I've had more moments in this where I think back at the movie and I just wonder how they got what they got out of it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I think I have a totally. moment like that in the next chapter with the, uh, the, the foreign students arriving mm-hmm. where I yes. think back to their arrival in Goblet of Fire. And I'm like, really, this is what you got out of that? Yeah, definitely. I think I'm on the same page with you on, on that thing. Um, but yeah, I just had such a uh, clear picture of, moody from like the from the very moment i read this book of being a lot harsher and um more sh- like sharp and intimidating and like with it and i think i think brendan gleason i think he's a fantastic actor and everything it's just that like they definitely interpreted him i think it's like more of like washed up or something or like um like oh maybe they just leaned a little too hard into the part where everyone thinks he's crazy and like because like they definitely go for like funny madman in the movie i think Mm -hmm. and that's when when people are saying he's crazy in this book i don't get the the idea that he's like funny or bumbling about it i get the idea that he's like always on edge you know like 
like ready to knife someone at any moment, you know, like, like yeah, that. yeah, I get much more of a picture of him being very erratic. And, and that's like kind of part of the like sinister mood that I get from him, which is that, you know, like he might like he he will uh, shoot you if you sneak up on him and try to prank him. But he also has these weird, nice, like like gentle moments but it's it's more that that's in service to like kind of how unpredictable he is Mm -hmm. yeah definitely and again this is this is just like last week this is going to continue to be very confusing to talk about because we're also very clearly talking about barty crouch jr pretending to be moody which adds another layer to like this character interpretation stuff um but he's doing a good enough job that it's fooling everyone right so yeah uh, so it's I, I guess it's fair to just talk about like this is a portrayal of Mad-Eye Moody. Um, but yeah, like this this opening class thing is just very uh, effective for me. I, I think it's it's. As far as the things in this book that are like moving the tone to a darker place overall, I think this is the one aside from the Death Eater March that has succeeded the most for me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, however. <laughs> we are getting into some weird world building stuff here, I think. One, this is the first time I've thought about it, but because it is pointed out directly, how come Lupin's job was more of like a care of magical creatures teacher? Evil like, creatures, though. Yeah, like a care care from magical creatures, I guess. Uh, that is a weird, like, are, there, are those things literally evil? Like, I wish I knew what a curse was. Yes, that is, that is, <laughs> yeah. I don't think it really, it like literally has not mattered until this moment where three curses are given this like weird special status above all other curses. And I'm like, I don't know what a curse is. Yeah, I. if you're going to tell me what the most uh, dangerous curses are, I feel like it might help to have a point of reference for what other curses are, you know? Um, and not to get too fucking pedantic about this, but I'm going to killing someone is not a curse. Like the gun spell, I, I think as well as it's presented here as, as, as spooky as this scene is, I'm so annoyed. The, the existence of Avada Kedavra bugs me. Uh, I, I think it is it ends up being a problem for the series moving forward, maybe not in this book, especially, but like especially when the series starts getting more action packed and it's like, wait, you're telling me that like the one shooting person spell is an unforgivable secret mega curse like that's really weird to me. Yeah, I mean, I think that it further becomes complicated just because it also becomes the method of creating Horcruxes, if I remember correctly. Like it has a yeah. it has a secret special second part. Um, but even in that way, the whole plot line where Horcruxes have to be revealed to Harry because no one knows what they are because they're so dark and so like mysterious and nobody knows about them. But it's also like a, it's just like a secret upgraded version of uh-huh. the gun spell, which we think at, up at this point is the worst spell that there is. It's very confusing. Um, and just also like uncreative. I think that's my my biggest problem with it, right? It's like, like, 
Imperius and Cruciatus, like I wouldn't say they're like mega creative or anything, but you can you can do stuff with them in a story and also extrapolate a little bit more out of them, I think. Like Imperius, um, you know, it's mind control. Like that's not new for any kind of fantasy story, but like right. that definitely has a lot of dark implications and definitely fits here in like an unforgivable crime thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um the like torture spell like that again you know not unique or anything but also uh it's supplanting like physical torture in this world that still has like a lot of medieval technology and stuff because they don't really need technological advancement like like that is interesting i think at least and also we don't learn it here i don't think in this chapter but like with Cruciatus, you similar to Avada Kedavra, like you need like real venom behind it or whatever. Like it feeds on like negative emotions of the caster. Like there's some interesting ideas there, right? Sure. Um, Avada Kedavra is just a gun, and that's really boring. And and I hate to get like so uh, metatextual here, but like it frustrates me that in a story that is going to start becoming about like a war against like evil wizard fascists. I'm irritated that the like single purpose, like fight, like kill a guy spell is like inherently evil or whatever and requires like evil purpose or whatever. It's like, well, what the fuck do you do then? Like, like especially in a in a in a story that is like going to start taking on like world war ii allegory and stuff Mm -hmm. i think that ends up creating some really shitty uh ideas about like how to fight against a greater evil like you're telling me that like aurors shouldn't fucking shoot voldemort like like what's the what's the deal here what am, what am i supposed to take away from this like yeah and i'm like i can't figure out when 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 the killing curse is the worst curse that there is but then we later find out the thing about the horcruxes like is that what makes it evil is that it it mars your soul mm-hmm. like separately from being the gun spell and does that mean that there's a curse that's just just gun spell not the soul marring part and why don't they use that yeah is there is there like good guy avada cadavra because like i like i get that it's a kid's story and i get like i'm not out here saying like it's great to kill people or whatever but like this is a war story right eventually it's, it's going to be yeah it's going to be a war story and i'm sorry but it's fucking stupid to be here like like presenting this weird wizard war against like literal wizard fascists who are like shooting you with their gun spell and like like well i'm gonna hit them woohoo i'm gonna not i'm gonna hit not them with a jelly legs jinx yeah like that's just fucking lame like this is again this is like in kotor when it's like god when you're light side you get the stupid push you just like push them back and then when you're you're a sith you get to lightning bolt them uh-huh i i i just like i don't i just in a story that is a world war ii allegory i do not want to be preached to about like like whether killing guys is good right i think once you're at that point in a story 
uh, you are beyond needing to moralize about that. I mean, um, I think this is a good example of where this becomes a very Christian story. Like, I, I'm not saying that it's, uh, but the, this to me is uh, like, thou shalt not kill a little bit. Oh, yeah, a little bit, but like, <sighs> yeah, it's it's difficult to unpack and it's going to get more annoying as it goes forward, I think. But I I have problems with Avada Kedavra being presented as this this great evil or whatever. And it's like this this very much to me feels like um, <laughs> this is getting into some real esoteric Twitter lore stuff. Um but have you ever uh, encountered Jonathan McIntosh? McIntosh, I'm sorry if I got his name wrong. Uh, yes, very famous like I, I, video game yeah. advocate guy who talks about you know how you know, violence is the only verb in video games and and how bad that is. And I think he definitely has some points sometime, sometimes. But uh, there are a lot of times where he has like uh, talked about how you know. No, no matter where, no matter where it comes from, you know, violence is always is always a tragedy. And he's gotten like, you know, people in his mentions from like, you know, countries that have had recent revolutions and stuff going like, uh, no, actually, <laughs> uh, d- like, I mm, don't mm, maybe don't br- paint this broad brush like like this from from like a comfortable, like first world white guy perspective, you know, uh, yeah, and that's just all I like. That's what I I think of when I when I when I see this kind of thing where it's like, like, yeah, killing is not pleasant, and uh, you know, I th- I think that the way that this can work is the way that uh, you know Moody um, talks about how you know it the spell requires a lot of dark energy or whatever and 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 stuff, but like crucio feels like the much more interesting commentary on violence than like the spell that just like apparently kind of painlessly kills someone like a like just yeah yeah. i mean the torture spell is is about like taking pleasure in hurting someone right Right, exactly i I mean i think that's a little bit on the nose like it's definitely not unique but it's like that's not what this I don't know. I feel like that that the torture spell is probably the least explored. Yeah. In in the the total of these yeah. of these books. Um. So so no, I I I just think it's boring. Like like aside from any like moral concerns here, I just I can't think of a, a more disappointing like reveal of the, yeah the the secret evil curses. That, that it's especially at number at the number one spot, the one that gets like the most time and gets like the most lore dedicated to it or whatever. It's just sort of falls flat. Like you can, there's so many creative things you can do with magic in a story, and maybe that's the point. Maybe the point is like even in the 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 wizard world, the the worst thing in the world is a gun. Or whatever, but it just falls flat for me here. Like, like specifically because, like, if this remained a children's story and it was like more, um, talking about like you know more basic morality stuff, I think it would work. But this is getting into like a more like 
dystopian war setting as this is going along and like Mm -hmm. you kind of just can't do that it doesn't fit at all um and it it's like it just starts raising all these questions about like the nature of like the death eaters versus the the wizards and like like (laughs) honestly kind of makes me think about you know unpleasantly think about like how things are going now and it's like well if you if you keep on you know not stamping out the wizard fascists guess what they're gonna keep on fucking coming back like it, it yeah it's a it's a problem i think it's it's an odd um it's an odd lesson to come from moody and, and it's like it's even more confusing because it's not moody right it's david Tennant, it's doctor who this entire time um <laughs> But to come from the guy who's supposedly doing a pretty good impression of like an old school wizard Nazi hunter. Right. Like this is the guy like this is the guy whose job it was. Like, what did he do then? If he's like the old grizzled, like PTSD having Nazi hunter wizard, what did like what what is it? What is it that he did? Did he oh, I'm going to expel the armistice so fucking hard. Oh, I'm going to give you the jelly legs curse. You'll never fucking forget. Like just, I mean, I think uh, maybe I'm making this up, but don't we find out later on that it's like, whoa, during the first wizarding war, all the aurors were allowed to use the unforgivable curses. Ooh, I, I, did thought, not, okay. I thought I don't that that's part that. of the lore, maybe. but maybe, maybe that's a, that's a fan fiction uh, holdover that I, hmm, I, I have know. mixed up. So I guess we'll see. Hmm. That would be interesting. I'm, uh, I'm, I don't remember, uh, whether that comes up or not so yeah so uh, overall i think the like i think this is a great scene um it just it, it is it is starting to write checks that this lore cannot cash i think uh with in regards to like the morality of the world and and the war and everything um but it's a good scene and i think that the thing with him and neville is just such a great creepy creepy way to end this thing because it is a really nice thing that he does on its face mm-hmm. but knowing a who he is and b like who he is in relation to neville it is very scary yeah it is um yeah I, I don't know when we find out about neville's parents it must be this i don't book, even right or is it I, is it next one i don't remember i think it is the next one i don't know i don't know if this like like this is a scene that like kind of sets something up and pays off way later i do remember Mm -hmm. but i I, um uh spoiler alert uh barty crouch jr was one of the wizards who tortured uh, his neville's parents into insanity uh and like that just makes the scene very 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 creepy uh and and i think it's great like i think this is one of the better um kind of fridge horror things in the series do you think that the reason i i guess i don't i guess i don't know when this movie came out but i'm wondering if the reason um that they played moody the way they did in the movie is because the trend at the movie of movies at the time was to set up for twists at the end uh and this one has the obvious moody twist i mean he's david Tennant the whole time um but it was like a, a sin for a movie to suggest that the twist was going to happen before it happens. Like it was oh, like we have to play it, him kindly uh, and benevolent, otherwise people might see the twist coming. Yeah, well, it's weird, right? Because it's not even that he's like played straight benevolent. It's just that he's played like 
oh here comes moody again like here's the weird here's the weirdo um and yeah maybe maybe there's just like well if the if the guy he turns into is scary uh the fake one can't also be scary because then everyone's going to be confused i mean you know and and in a way i guess they're thinking thinking ahead to the same reveal happening in fantastic beasts and how fucking pointless that was (laughs) maybe maybe they were onto something who knows but it was uh, all planned out Oh yeah, all planned out from she's written all five movies already. Actually, that's actually going to be my Reddit post, and it's going to be the anyone notice uh, that the Moody reveal at the end of Goblet of Fire is a parallel to <laughs> Graves being revealed as wow. Johnny Depp, and the clues were always there. JK so. was the, JK's done it again. Yeah. Um. So that so yeah so I like I said I have some problems with like what this presents for the world building in general and like how this plays as like a a greater like war anti fascism story and the only reason I'm really hammering on this like like this is like this is a lot of stories my politics are I I I will I will I will I will grant this my politics are probably usually pretty more radical than like most popular stories are going to be and I'm fine with that. Um, you know, I'm not asking yes. for, I'm not asking for Lord of the Rings to be like anarcho communist socialist, whatever. Like, that's fine. I can deal with there being Kings in Lord of the Rings. Um, but my specific gripe here is that Harry Potter is constantly held up as this like, wow, Harry Potter really taught me that, uh, I should be liberal and, and fight fascism by posting a lot, you know? And like, I mean, it, I mean, I kind of am starting to agree with them. I mean, this, this, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm like, yeah, it really. I'm, yeah, I guess it did. Yeah, not the way you think, but it did. I'm like, yeah, I, I definitely see that. Um, so <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, I, I have to begrudgingly agree. Um, I do have kind of a fun question for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, did this scene remind or bring back any uh, public school memories for you of a teacher doing showing you something in school where they're like i shouldn't like i'm not allowed yes. to show you this oh 100 oh, <laughs> and you know what it was what tell it me was a fucking fifth grade teacher showed us <laughs> diablo 2 he was oh playing, hell yes he was, he was he was playing diablo 2 on the projector at lunch and he was like i probably shouldn't be showing you this but check it out and like oh that's so badass that's way better than mine which was my seventh grade history teacher showing us saving private ryan <laughs> <laughs> oh god i guess i got that too i was in a class called history of war that uh-huh. had a lot of like we're gonna show you the r-rated movie um yep and yeah that was that was definitely uh, a parallel, I guess. Yeah, but uh, yes, I have lots of lots of like <laughs> cool teacher memories going like shouldn't be showing you this, shouldn't but be you showing gotta you know this. it's Diablo you gotta, two. You gotta see Diablo two on my laptop. I do agree um, with that. Yeah, that is pretty cool. So yeah, um, uh, this is a good scene. There's a lot more in this chapter, though. Oh um, boy, there is. Oh boy, howdy um what's the next most important thing i guess the the divination stuff and the actually actually, i hate to rewind back to the moody chapter no or the moody section um harry in this book is a little bit chamber of secrets harry to me he's Uh, so passive and i feel like i have to point this out because it's going to set up what we're going to talk about harry uh for the hermione ron subplot here um he 
doesn't give a shit about anything. Um, it is <laughs> it is ridiculous to me. Like I I understand why, um, but it's very funny to me when he's finding out how his parents were killed for the first time in class in fourth year. Um, he doesn't like. And I guess the the reason I'm pointing this out is because I know that the reason is because we are Harry in this scene, right? Uh-huh. Because this is the reveal for us, the reader. And so it has to be Harry's reveal too. Um, it is like that frustrating moment where you're like, Harry, why did you not ask anyone? Or like, Harry, why don't you give a shit about anything mm-hmm. in this new magical world you're in? Mm-hmm. Um and the reason is because we're Harry here. We are supposed yeah, we have... to be him. We are getting yeah. the reveals with him, uh, which really sets us up for some stuff that's going to happen later on in the chapter. We are, we are, we are one hundred percent back in Bioware RPG Harry or Fallout yes. Harry, right? Like, like this yep. is Harry is a blank slate protagonist who is just just prodding things just enough for them to go and reveal the information that is necessary to continue. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is kind of annoying at this point but because book three did it so well. Azkaban yeah. gave him such a strong sense of character and it's weird how we're back to square one again here. Yeah. So I guess our next scene is divination. They make a bunch of stuff up for divination. I really enjoy that. This is good. I, th- I was going to say, this is like my my favorite part of the chapter on its own um, before it becomes what it becomes. Uh, but there, the thing I love about this scene is uh, just like in, in Azkaban, they are almost doing it, right? Mm-hmm. like because it's cause really ron, cute like ron says like oh i'm gonna be in danger of burns and harry says oh we will because we have um we have care of magical creatures and there's the screws you're just you just did it you just did divination like you're, there you're it doing, is <laughs> yeah i love it i love it i love this um, scene the other big one is when ron says that he that harry is going to be betrayed by a friend because ron kind of betrays him later in mm-hmm. this book um yep which I, I I like that and and as we'll see later on, I'm sure we'll comment on it. So they they get top marks because they did it. Yeah, they did it. That's it. It is so funny. I, um, you know, Trelawney is definitely being treated more and more of a, as a joke character, and I, this is so, um, minor that I almost wonder if it's accidental on JK's part as well. But like they are doing it. Like they they did. You know, I'm sure a lot of it's fake, but like you know, or a lot of it is you know not going to come true but like in terms of like what divination is for they they did it they nailed it and it's it's very funny yeah um so i guess wrapping that up um so, something that i've been looking forward to and by that i mean dreading saying on this show let's talk about slavery <sighs> Sp- yeah. spew time folks this uh, is the introduction of spew so let's let's talk about our theory here because I know we touched on it last time. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Because I don't, I feel like this is the remnants of an old plot line. Yes. Um, I don't because it doesn't make any sense. I don't know why this is in here. I don't know why Ron is so pro-slavery and in the meanest way possible. 
too. Like it isn't even just like he hasn't thought about it or is like he is firmly pro-slavery in this book. Mm-hmm. So are Fred and George. They mm-hmm. pop in to be pro-slavery. Um, and I think this is all related to the cut character that was the Slytherin match for Hermione. And yes. I think that when she got cut out of the book, Hermione had nothing to do. And mm-hmm. so this plot line got like like jammed in for no real reason. Yeah. Uh, so for those who are listening who don't know, um, J.K. Rowling gave an interview before this book came out, I think, uh, um, saying that uh, it's actually a really funny interview. I'll, I'll try and find the quote maybe for our next because <laughs> this is not going to be our first spew deep dive. We have an entire chapter coming up as well. Right. Um, uh, she was asked, you know, what's, you know, these books are coming out so fast. You know, did you have to make any changes before um, this one came out? And she sort of tosses out this, this answer uh, like a treat to the reporter in this really funny <laughs> way. She's like, Oh, I, like, Oh, I'll give you one. Like, it's a very funny quote, but um, the gist of it is that she had a character uh, named Mafalda Weasley, who was going to be a Weasley cousin who was sorted into Slytherin, who was a first year and the 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 thing that she says the example that she gives is like um mafalda was going to um overhear all of the death eater family talk in the slytherin common room and relay it to hermione and harry and ron gloatingly like in in like the great hall at meals and stuff right Mm -hmm. um and that's a little vague but i think it gives us enough to go on because i think I think there is enough of a skeleton of what her role would have been left in this book to maybe fill in the gaps. Um, the first biggest one being, I think, uh, is that Colin Creevy's cousin shows up at the beginning, not a Weasley cousin. And that's the catalyst for the conversation about whether or not families all get sorted into the same house. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Whereas she would have been a Weasley who got sorted into Slytherin. Um, and uh, I think, I think I have no, I have zero actual evidence for this, but I, I'm on board with you. I think this is a really solid theory for why this plotline is the way it is. It's the only thing that makes sense because Ron is just not Ron here to me. Yeah. Um, and I don't necessarily think Mafalda being in this would have made this plot line any better because this is still uh, Hermione having a debate about whether slavery is good. And then unless the house elves by their nature were going to be changed to be very different, canonically speaking, Ron is correct, right? Like, like that's, that's, that's the, the real thing that makes this so gross thing is that it is like canonically speaking these like mythical creatures do like to be slaves i guess um so i don't know i don't think the mafalda would have fixed it but i assume that it wasn't just going to be the entirety of hermione's arc in this book which i'm pretty sure that's just what this is going to be um mm-hmm. 
and it's so out of place and it's so weird and it's just outrageous. I don't know why it's in here. Imagine this coming out now. Like 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 this is the most egregious thing that has been in this series so far. You know, there's been some there's been some like jokes and stuff that are like, "Eh, I don't love that, but whatever." You know? Like mm-hmm. like but I feel like if this book or film, actually the film ignores this completely, I believe, which is yeah, definitely yeah, for does. the best. Um if this had come out now, like this would have been jk's canceled level i think you know like you can't do this you can't write a story a children's story like this isn't even like you know we 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 joke about like the omegaverse and stuff sometimes and the gore (laughs) fantasy series or whatever where it's like ah there's 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 the adult fantasy series where everyone's a everyone's either the the dom or the sub slave and it's like okay whatever that's that's doing its own thing you know, this is a kid's book making like really uncomfortably realistic arguments for and against slavery. Hello? Like, yeah, but then just make making the for slavery arguments just true. I mean, it's like, I'm so glad you brought up the gore books because I love to talk about the gore books. Uh-huh. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, it is, they are science fiction slash fantasy novels and they're utter trash um and they are a a world where women are submissive right like like we all women are slaves uh but it is in their nature right like that's the whole Mm -hmm. conceit of the universe um that they're in and the like at least the gore books have the gall to be horny you know right, like, like like, like at, the <laughs> end of the, at the end of the day the gore books are just like a bdsm fantasy thing right yeah and, and like, it's like to be fair i do think that they're probably net pretty bad like i i think <laughs> that there, there are some uncomfortable like bad things that have come out of that in like bdsm communities and stuff where it's like they like no like better communities will say like no gore stuff because there are a lot of people that will read those and be like well there's secretly some truth in them right like Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and that's really shitty um but like and that's always like the defense of those it's like well in in the in the novels that it is canonically correct which is the exact same argument i always see for the fucking house elves is that it's like it's like all of these um these arguments that are made that are inside the fiction and that's not not the angle i'm looking to criticize this i want to know why why jk rowling felt the need to make a mag- like a, a creature that that liked to be slaves to somehow prop up this weird very realistic very familiar pro-slavery argument that we see in our that real is the thi- world yeah that is the thing this does like this plays is 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 meant to play as comedy it feels like like yes the, the joke is that hermione doesn't understand uh how this magical world is and she's making a fool of herself here but it rings way too close to real arguments to be funny and it and Harry Potter also does not have the tone to carry this right like no. like if it if it was a more like out and out comedy or whatever and like things were just fucked up for no reason and there were tons of things that like compared to the Muggle world were just completely backwards and like yeah there really is a 
like there's these goofy elves that live in shoes and and they they love to be slaves and it was like a like a joke about how uncomfortable it was or something like for harry Mm -hmm. probably not great probably but i could see it you know like there's there's like a pratchett-esque version of this where where it's just complete farce or whatever um that where this idea could work but harry potter is not that harry potter is becoming you know before our very eyes as we are reading a very serious story about uh wizard society at war with with oppressors yeah and this putting this plot line in here about how actually the you know hogwarts is the good slave owner is fucking dumbledore's dumbledore's the nicest slave owner in the wizarding world it is Um, really crazy uh, yeah and like the reason i brought up the way harry is in in the defense against the dark arts class is like because really i don't care that he's learning how his parents were killed the first time i think it's a little silly i don't think it's very realistic i don't really care because i don't think it matters um but i brought it up because i think that that's the clearest moment where it is made obvious that we are Harry uh, in this. And the way Harry reacts to Hermione and Ron arguing about whether slavery is good um, as being torn between exasperated and amused and feeling like, like that is the book telling me that I am supposed to feel kind of exasperated and amused is very bothersome. Both sides. Both sides are. Oh, both are, sides. Both sides <laughs> are annoying, and and right here in the middle is the best way. Like it's it's fucking awful. Ron's argument, like Ron's arguments, are like word for word things you would read in like the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, uh, and and his entire method too is to shut Hermione down. Right, like yes. it, it is not. It's really gross. Um, it's not and- even that he's. It's not even that he has like, he he has bad preconceived notions that Hermione is picking at, and he's having to work through or something. That he's just learning for the first time. Like he is adamant here. Like oh, he yeah. is. He is. He has made his mind up about slavery, and it is that it is good that there are elves that love being slaves, and he has no internal conflict about this uh, at all. There, in this scene in particular, Hermione is um, basically giving her spiel, right? Like, the, she is hitting all of her her points uh, that is the, you know, the result of all this research that she's done. Um, and we get some very disturbing details in, t- in here because I think that, that we did we did get a little bit of that during the winky stuff, but we learn that, like, house elves are outlawed from owning wands, owning property like all of those like little details but i'm pretty sure that the way it's presented as ron kind of talking over her and being frustrated and harry kind of wishing she would shut up is the same kind of tone that like i think it's supposed to hit the like how you feel or are supposed to feel when like somebody from PETA is talking to you on the street yeah no or 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 like being stuck at a thanksgiving where people are arguing about uh, over you and you just want to eat your food or whatever harry's default mode here is just acceptance of the status quo for no reason because why what like there there is no status quo for harry he's been a wizard for three years like yeah like why is he just and, so and he, and he is finding out that there are house elves at hogwarts with us mm-hmm. and hermione 
right? Yeah. Like, like this is new information to him. Yeah, it's oh, it's so bad. And like friend George popping up to make the other eighteen hundred Southern guy argument about like, like, have you met them? They're happy. Yeah, they're singing songs, and like it's so awful. It's quite disturbing to find in here. Yeah, detrimental to characters I like. You know, yeah. like like Ron, I'm kind of up and down on at the moment because he's barely a character. But like, I like Fred and George. Mm-hmm. All they've done in this book is like bully a kid and come in to say that they've met the slaves and actually they're happy. Yeah. I mean, they're really coming into their their prank YouTube channel personas, if you ask me. Uh-huh. Yeah, they, they, yeah, the, the Pauls are here. Uh, dude, I met the slaves. <laughs> Ugh, it's so gross i feel like i need a shower like like diving too deep into this stuff because it it uh it rings so uncomfortably close to real arguments and like i just want to know why like what yeah well, what is the why? point why, is, why this here? is this here um and of course like in in true like harry potter fashion that reminded me a lot of like the arguments between ron and hermione in third year is that they don't get to resolve we get we get Hedwig showing up right like like the argument is literally getting interrupted by mm-hmm. something that's more important to Harry because he doesn't <laughs> right, give a yes. shit about any of this because he doesn't care he doesn't care he just wants to to talk to to Sirius yeah it's um it's baffling it's bad it's only going to get worse in this book because we will get a dedicated chapter for Spew later um and it casts a pall over the rest of the book for me i think like there are a lot of things that i have like taken and not really liked but have just sort of like let you know let roll off me uh as i'm reading like you know azkaban opens with some kind of shitty treatment of of like fat characters and stuff and like you know the there's the weird conversation in the first book about how um uh you know magical creatures are are don't have the same rights as as humans but like the centaurs are very clearly you know sapient and stuff um but like those are just like minor quibbles in a in a broader story where i'm just like yeah maybe the author didn't really think about it this hard but this is jk rowling deliberately picking at some really big shit and not justifying it and not doing anything interesting with it and not um not handling it in a way where i am like comfortable letting it slide off me in the same way as those other things um this goes beyond just like uh you know accidental byproduct of writing a fantasy novel steeped in tropes right yeah uh uh, you know there's stuff like the goblin bank which isn't great you know like like that's that that pulls on a lot you know saying that all, oh all the bankers control all the money in the world and they're little hook-nosed goblin guys definitely not good definitely relying on some you know unfortunate stuff but like i feel like you can at least be mildly forgiven for like yeah goblins are usually handling gold in stories whatever um here this just goes beyond that this this is so detailed this is relying on so many uh real life arguments that have hurt people um and she you can't get away with that here i don't think no uh, not in the same not. way like if if the gringotts chapter in the first book had like focused on hagrid 
saying like, oh, the goblins control the media and 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 like that would have been a lot more fucked up, right? Like that would have been real bad. And that's what this feels like. Like this yeah. just feels this 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 feels like um stepping on ground that that the author really should not. And for what? Uh, a joke? Like is that what this is? Yeah, a is joke it about funny? Like, is that what it's supposed to be? I'm just like, like very the, confused. Like I guess like, we'll see how it minor, resolves, but like what are all the minor themes in this book? So far we've gotten um pretty women are evil. Mm-hmm. Uh and we've gotten the magic slaves love it. Not mm-hmm. really into this, you know? Yeah. Well, we have an entire another chapter to talk about. <laughs> so, yeah. shall I? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, oh, this, I didn't work on my French accent at all. Beau I, I'm sorry, but it's going to be Beau, Beau Um So, Boobatuber. It's Boobatuber and, and Durmstrang. Um, so, this is uh, chapter 15 uh, Beaubaton and Durmstrang. Uh, Harry gets up early the next morning uh, to go and send a letter to Sirius because he doesn't want him to get caught and then it would be his fault. So he sends a letter that basically says, uh, just kidding. It was a false alarm. My scar didn't hurt. I think I imagined it. Don't come here. Bye. Um, and, and Hermione, I guess Harry tells Hermione and Ron that he sent this and Hermione kind of scolds him, but, but Ron says, you know, leave, leave it be. Uh, and then we get another defense against the dark arts class where, he is teaching them to resist the imperious curse and everybody's really bad about it at it. Uh, but Harry did it the first time, which is pretty cool. Um, later we kind of get a little bit of a, I like almost like, a. we get a bunch of classes kind of in a row where we get the impression that they have a ton of homework. And we also get a scene where McGonagall tells them they have to study harder and do more homework because their OWLs are coming up at the end of next year. So, so basically wizarding school is just getting a little bit harder. We also find out that Harry and Ron received their top marks in divination and are pretty psyched about that. But then they're bummed out because they have to do it next week because Trelawney liked it so much. She ran it in front of the class. Um, we also get the name drop of s- learning summoning charms in charms. We get Hagrid taunting Malfoy during class uh, regarding the the ferret the ferret thing when Draco kind of tries to get smart with him again about the scroots, and the scroots are getting are getting bigger and and grosser. Um, after class, there's like a notice that says that delegates from Beaubaton and Durmstrang will be arriving. Uh, on Friday, the thirtieth of October, uh, and they'll have to and they'll have to meet them. Um, we also learn that Cedric is going to be entering the tournament, and we remember him because he was the Hufflepuff seeker. And we also remember him from earlier in the book at the Quidditch World Cup. Uh, the castle has been has been cleaned kind of for the rest of the week, and all the teachers are kind of on edge because they're trying to trying to look their best for the visitors. Hermione is we get kind of an interlude where Hermione's still talking about Hellsof rights um, and has been trying to get people to join like ever she's been bugging everybody uh, in Gryffindor house to join and she's kind of bullied some people into joining including Neville um, but it's mostly unsuccessful and people don't are, are sick of hearing about it I guess. 
Uh, we do get another letter back from Sirius who writes to Harry and, and basically here's his response is like, nice try. I'm already here. Uh, and then it's time for the, the other students from Beaubaton and Durmstrang to arrive. Um, the, the students all kind of go out to greet them on, in the, uh, on the grounds and they're way, they wait and kind of talk about like, how are they going to arrive? Um, a giant horse-drawn carriage with enormous horses that I guess are pegasi, the size of, of elephants. Maybe they didn't have wings, but they fly, arrive. And that's the, the delegates from Beaubaton. And we see Madame Maxine for the first time. Um, and Hagrid is going to take care of the giant horses. Um, and the, the French kids go inside. And then the lake bubbles up and, um, and a giant ship uh, parks next to the Hurtwood house houseboat. Uh, and that's the, the students from Durmstrang arriving. And our final reveal at the end of the chapter is that one of the students that was brought over from Durmstrang is Victor Crumb, who we remember from uh, the Quidditch World Cup. And that's the end of the chapter. Um, okay, I got something. I got something for you here. Okay. We're going to see. We're going to see if we've been right about this, about something. Okay. I'm sure we were. Backsy oh. buttons. No, okay. What was uh, that? that? It was someone saying backsy buttons for Bobaton. Oh, <laughs> why? It's I. It, I think I think I might have accidentally stumbled across the joke version of the pronunciation. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> Boxy buttons. I think I did a pretty good job. I think I like that. I liked it. Um, yeah. No, I can't find any other. Any other videos? I found one on Fleur de la Cour. Um, but yeah, no. Okay. This is a better chapter, I guess. Um, it's, it's a lot of stuff. It feels like a it feels like a glue chapter, I guess. This is a sprint, yeah. Um, I will say, for as little as I've liked Rom this book, I do like his moment at the beginning of this chapter, uh, with telling Hermione to drop it. Um, yeah, that feels... I, I would I would like that a lot more if I wasn't bogged down by all this other stuff. Yes, yes. If it yeah, if it wasn't carrying like the 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 venom of like also being mad at her about the spew thing, I would like it a lot more. But like just in terms of a like their their group dynamic, this Harry being overly worried, uh Hermione um being right, but maybe uh yeah, maybe leave it alone because it's over. And Ron being protective. Like, that's just a cute character. Like, that's an ensemble moment that I like. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, I'll give it some credit for that. Um, the rest of the spew stuff, fuck it, burn it, I hate it. Um, it's just gonna keep getting worse. Uh, is there much, re is there really that much to talk about here besides the uh, Bobaton stuff? We can talk about how Harry is very good at defense against the dark arts because I know we've talked about oh, this yeah. in the past yeah, yeah, yeah. I, because I couldn't tell if it was a fandom perception that Harry is just like extremely gifted at defense or if that was like in the text as like his special skill. Um, and I'm mm -hmm. starting to lean towards special skill. Although this yeah. one is very weird because it's like, 
a strength of character thing, which maybe is the most boring way I think a character can be talented because it's meaningless. <laughs> yeah, um, also, Harry's character, not very strong in this not book, Not very I'm strong. Say. It's strong because they tell us he has a good strength of character, but mostly I don't agree with that. Good, um, good strength of character is getting annoyed when your friend is talking to you about social justice. God, I and just like I kind of object to this. I like I understand that Harry's the protagonist, but I get really um, a little bit annoyed when like side characters are sidelined into quote not having strength of character. Like, does yes. Lavender Brown not have strength of character? Like, what does that mean? Why not? Mm, yeah, yeah. So I don't really enjoy yes. that very much. I don't enjoy that explanation. I would enjoy no. a special skill explanation more than like a like a force of will i forget here um is he really actually good at shaking it off or is it because barty crouch is like practicing imperioing him and is letting him uh, i mean maybe that is how he learned it i don't think we ever get it like in like explicit in the text that that's the case and harry always succeeds later at throwing it off um so maybe he gave him a special training although i don't know why he would no no i mean i i mean that he's like he's not he's he's practicing putting the imperious curse on harry uh and letting him think that he's throwing i don't know i i uh, think or something i don't think that's ever yeah, or like that maybe they're deciding whether to use Harry or Cedric for that one part. I'm just I'm confused as to what the goal is here. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I'm also confused as to uh, Dumbledore sure seems fucking stupid in this book. When I say I can kind of remember be- Dumbledore being in this chapter, although I no you. no 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 he's he's not directly oh! in. But the concept of him like yes. letting fake Moody in here and performing the uh, the unforgivable curses on students and not thinking like maybe that's a little weird, but okay, like like what's what's that? You know, he's been he's been reading the signs. I guess so. He's been reading the signs and he's like, yeah, we need to get this guy in here. Um, and I, I'm I mean, not like, going to oversee it. Am I supposed to believe that this is just like his? like barty crouch's actual like method acting perfect moody like i guess like this is literally what moody would have done yeah he's so good at it that no one's suspicious that's Um, pretty talented yeah maybe he should be an actor i guess david Tennant does have a a, quite a career that's Um, true he's he's after this he's like well you were a death eater but you are really good so why not head on over to my pal stefan moffat over here and we can hook you up well, you know, maybe Barty Crouch Jr. was exiled from the wizarding world for his crimes. He got his wand snapped and then he went on to act in Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a little odd. But yeah, I, I, the way I'm reading it is that like, yeah, he's just so good at being moody. Um, That's a that weird he... direction to go for a like hidden identity plotline. Yeah. He's just really fucking good at it. Um, I mean, I love hidden identity plot lines. Um, Deep oh, Space yeah. Nine is my favorite Star Trek, um, which is all about people being other people and being really good at it. Um, <laughs> but this is an odd direction to go, which almost seems like it's like char- there's a character development of movie Moody where we just like, this is just who he is. And it's becomes irrelevant that he wasn't him in this book. Right. Yeah, it's it's very confusing. A little odd to think about. 
Um, but I do want to talk about this uh, class arrival stuff because I love it. Yeah, it's good. This is my um, other I don't know what the movie was thinking moment. I know we'll yeah. get to it because we have to watch the movie. Why did they make all of the students at Beaubaton? Why did why were they all girls? Did they think that they were Vila? I don't understand this. The, at the, all. They were all Vila. Yeah, they're that was all a weird... hot girls with like a choreographed dance scene. I know that the choreographed dance scene is like for the movie. I just don't. Yeah. And then like the and all the all the um the kids from Durmstrang are like angry like Scandinavian do... boys with a <laughs> stick dance. Why? <laughs> Yeah, um, it's very odd. And also, I think the movie's read on Madame Maxime is completely backwards to mine as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Madame Maxime here just seems like a cool giant lady. Yeah. Uh, and they kind of make her a joke in the movie. Like, specifically, like, this is a really weird, uh, weird thing to focus in on. But like, it, uh, it, it is, it is, you know, called out in the book specifically. So I will I will compare mm-hmm. um, in the book. It says that her like she's very elegant and she has her hair back in like a tight bun or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like like looks, you know, very like very pretty, just huge. Right. Yeah. Uh, and in the movie, she's got like the Edna from The Incredibles haircut and they've like made her look like a like wealthy dowager. Mm-hmm. and like yeah. she just like is a big goof joke and it's very i mean it's like it's not a big deal she's a minor character but like the impression i got from this scene is that they were sort of showing hogwarts up right like yeah like, i would say so they've got like fancy horses that only drink whiskey they're they've got a, a badass headmaster um and all the students are like th- there's that their great line about all the students looking up at the castle in like mild apprehension or whatever <laughs> like all these fancy pants students are gonna have to hang out in this shitty castle for for a year like i like all that stuff and it's kind of missing from the movie i feel yeah i i just i feel like in a lot of ways we're going to find that they missed the mark on what makes uh, the stuff in the book charming, which is a shame because I think in the first few movies, even though I like to rag on the Chris Columbus ones, I feel like there was a lot of stuff where I was like, oh, they picked up on that. Maybe not the first thing I would have noticed, but like I tend to mm-hmm. uh, like agree that that was in. And then like this one just seems like they went like a lot of stuff is just kind of out of left field where I yeah. wonder, like, were you confused about this part? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I like, yeah, and, like, maybe we'll watch the movie and it'll all kind of fit into place for, like, that movie's vision or whatever, but, like, I'm just remembering bits and pieces and, like, I, I do feel annoyed, in, at least now, maybe I'll ch- change my mind when I've seen it, but, like, the idea that, that um, you know, the Bobaton students and, and Headmaster and stuff are kind of relegated to being a, a joke, um, mm-hmm. when I, I think, you know, this scene is very funny, but the joke is more, like, Dumbledore and Hogwarts is expense like that like like they are very fancy and pretty and and uh and dignified and like Dumbledore is this weirdo with a weird castle that they're gonna have to you know stay in for the year yeah and I feel like that's like kind of a resonant feeling like I definitely like you you have like some fancy pants over and you're like you know your shabby Dumbledore and your shabby castle I feel like everyone yeah. has had that feeling like you're like oh well Good thing yeah, I vacuumed, exactly. I guess. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, but I do, I do like this arrival, um, and I like, uh, I like all the stuff with like 
the horses being these like ridiculously pampered horses that require single malt whiskey but Hagrid's gonna have a great time um, yeah I didn't uh, remember the horses being the size of elephants that's a scary yeah. horse that's a big old horse I guess horses are already uh, big I'm a little bit scared yeah. of horses that's kind they're of my I, I mean I love I love horses I love to see them I'm sure they're very sweet I don't necessarily want to be near them. I'm a little bit scared of them because they're big and they can kick you to death. Um, yeah, I've ridden horses a couple times when I was a kid. And yeah. they 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 are bigger in person. You never really think, like when you see them in like movies and, and, and games and stuff, you never think about like, oh, that thing's fucking huge. That's like tall as me and like twice as long, right? Like, yeah, like, like a little, a little intimidating for sure. So imagining a elephant sized horse was a cool, cool moment for me. I liked that. I don't know what yeah. they are, though. Um, do they have wings or did I make that up? I don't I don't know if they do. I don't think they, they might do. just fly. I think they're just I think they're just flying because it's just they're palominos, which is like a just like, like a mm-hmm. normal kind of horse. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think it mentions anything about wings or anything. Maybe they're just magically um, large and flying. I don't know. I just I like all that stuff. I like this. I like the stupid yeah, boat that comes up from the from the lake. I like the giant horses. Yeah. Um, it's just a, a no, I love these fun arrivals. glimpse. Uh-huh. And the, yeah, the movie version does it as they like they come and do like a cultural exchange thing in the hall, which I think is a good idea. But like I've had the fucking music from the Durmstrang one stuck <sighs> in my head since 2005, probably because it's Did the, the funniest. <sighs> Did the movie makers think that all the Bobaton students were Vila? I'm so I don't I don't, that, under, I don't understand because yeah, I know that Flora is a Vila, right? Like yeah. she's super hot because she's part Vila, uh, and that's a big reveal. But I there's nothing in here that's like oh all the French students are super hot and they're all blonde ladies. Just yeah, like they all Fleur. look the same in the movie. <laughs> like it's very weird. Um it's a little creepy honestly it gives it it gives it like this um like i don't know like they're all blonde hair blue-eyed pretty french people it's very off-putting in a way that i I, like i think they're just supposed to be kind of fancy you know like like they're not they're not like children of the corn you know like it's it's a little (laughs) it's a little odd for sure yes yes um and karkarov i like here um I, I like the I like the contrast between the like the Durmstrang and Bobaton delegations and like all <laughs> like it's it's pretty mean and maybe a little problematic, but just like the description of like all of the Scandinavian students like being kind of like burly and um uh just like kind of rugged looking until like crumb like it's it's just like it's it's dumb, it's a little hmm. But it is just like a funny contrast to the to the French school uh, and like especially Karkarov with his like uh, like you know, his 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 like weird fake personality that he ha- he's putting on because like he's mm-hmm. he's extremely Death Eater or whatever oh, like, yeah. like 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 that is that is a cool um, creepy moment. I'm hoping we get a lot of good Snape Karkaroff, uh drama because I kind of remember some. Uh, so I'm hoping that'll be juicy. I yeah, it, there's some. Well, Karkarov keeps on trying to hang out with Snape because he thinks he's like he remembers him from like Death Eater times, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So I, I'm I'm excited to see some of that stuff for sure. Yeah. Um, and that's where that ends, I guess. Yeah. Whew, this is a long talk for our reading this week, but like, good God, the spew stuff is just gonna keep coming hot and heavy, and uh, 
I, I, I want to hit it hard each time it comes up because it sucks. Yeah, I, I'm really going to be on the lookout as this this whole thing progresses. If I can come up with a why, like, because I, I, I just feel like in a lot of the the J.K. Rowling like uh, like bad stuff, I can at least find a why or mm-hmm. some kind of clue as to what the yeah. intent was. And here I'm just drawing a blank. Not that it really matters. I mean, oh, I don't. Yeah, I don't think that super matters here, but it's just so bizarre. It just seems like she's overstepping her reach. Um, and to, to tell, as far as I can tell so far, to tell a story uh, about how um, you shouldn't be offended on other people's behalf. I'm pretty sure is, there's no resolution to this. Yeah. I, yeah. It's bad. Um, and we will keep at it. I can't wait to get to the actual spew chapter so we can read that absolutely awful Pottermore article about it. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, but I think that... that- wraps us up for our chapters this week unless you have anything else for me uh nope i think it's time we take a break sounds good to me and i have some good reads for us for after a break (laughs) all right that's a good one i like that Oh you, no! It's you. You're you're it's the me. you're doing the third segment this time. Duh! I am. I'm uh, so sorry. That's okay. And but it, it, boy, is it! Uh, it's going to be a collaboration because it's yeah. our new favorite social media site. Hell yes! It's not Facebook. It's, no, it's not, not Twitter. Hell no! It's Goodreads.com. Fuck yes! Uh, this is I mean like fairly new to us, right? And I feel like. Like we've done so much content for Reddit, so thank you Reddit.com. But I'm kind of <laughs> over it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know we are four books into Harry Potter, and I felt like it would be remiss of us not to see what uh, the reviewers at Goodreads think of books one, two, and three. Hell yeah! Um, so I've kind of curated uh, some of my favorite favorite reviews uh, of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone for us today, and maybe like a couple others from a from a mystery book that I'll I'll uh, keep secret ooh, uh, ooh, until wow. the end here. Um, so I don't know. I I don't have like a like a game for us to play, but this mm-hmm. first one that I'm going to read, I just want you to guess for me what the star rating on this is so i'm okay. just gonna jump in with this easy one okay. well not easy uh unique one i suppose all uh, right, this is right. this is uh knat's review of harry potter and the sorcerer's stone um next to their name as like kind of a f- like a little flare it says hufflepuff and proud so that's right there in their username okay so someone who's familiar with the series for sure yeah uh this okay. review was written uh on November 26th, uh, 2016. No matter what anyone says, I am never doubting Snape ever again. He is the best character in this entire series. He is just misunderstood. Damn you, Slytherins. They just know how to win me over. Snape, check. Draco, check. Voldemort, check, check, check. 
oh, oh, my. I would, <laughs> oh, I would love to know what house you guys belong to. And no, you can't be in two houses. That is literally just not possible. Just took the quiz and I am a Hufflepuff. You know who else is a Hufflepuff? My new boyfriend. And there's an embedded gif of Newt Scamander. <laughs> what? Voldemort is afraid of Dumbledore? Hell yeah, I'm already loving this. OMG, 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 this is happening. This is my first time, so please no spoilers. I know, I know we all have watched the movies, but I don't remember anything from the first one. That's the review of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. I would I would like you to uh, to hit me with a star rating. This is a star rating out of five. What do you think it is? That sounds like a solid five, right? You would They're think pretty so. excited. You would think so. This is a three out of five stars. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. So hmm. that's just that's just a taste of Goodreads. I feel like that would be a good intro to um uh I guess where the social media side of Goodreads and and the reviews kind of meet because I don't know who she's talking to here. Yeah, there's yeah, there's an implied like audience second for character this one. or yeah. like audience. Um, and there are comments on this review, so I feel like this person probably reviews as a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like people are people are engaging. There are yeah. Draco gifts in the replies. There's oh my OMG, yes, girl. Have fun reading, heart emoticon um so this is like definitely a thing and i'm really into it is this paper fury no (laughs) no it's not paper fury okay yeah that's um huh three star i mean that is the for those of you who have not been listening to our bonus episodes where we have been kind of deep diving on goodreads um Goodreads is amazing because it is a website where you can review like any written text ever, but it's all based on like a five star system. And so you can like compare like, like scores between William Shakespeare or Geoffrey Chaucer or, you know, Homer, the, the classical Greek poet with like John Green or JK Rowling or, name any like name any popular author and and everything is sort of reviewed in like the same bucket in the same way is very funny website it's beautiful um i uh other than watching uh, the ring this past weekend i also watched a wonderful um pbs special of the shakespeare play richard the third um and so immediately when i get home I look up Richard the third on Goodreads to see what people, <laughs> what people are saying. Um, and I, I guess like a couple highlights from what I saw is like someone was upset or didn't like it as much and rated it lower because it didn't hold up to like a modern drama television the, uh, show yeah, that yeah. has Richard the third in it. Like it's called like the white queen or something. Or like it's, he's not as shippable in the Shakespeare play as he is in this modern <laughs> drama, which is an incredible, <laughs> incredible lens to read Shakespeare. Another one was like saying that it was too cliched, like, uh, told from a villain's perspective, <laughs> seen that a hundred times before. Uh, like, uh, you don't get to do that. It's like, I wonder why it's a cliche. Uh, <laughs> couldn't be that this is hundreds of years old uh there was also that very funny one that said that it was uh slanderous against richard the third it was uh, a play slandering a king and they, and they yeah. could not deal with that which I'm not sure why they're upset about that yeah. um don't know, but, don't know about that oh, one 
That's all right. Um, so I have another one for Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Hell yes. Um, and I think like another um, fun thing we can do is think back at our own takeaway from Harry Potter and, and the Sorcerer's Stone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, this is Jason's review. Uh, and this was, review was written on December 6th of 2015. I was quite surprised with how babyish the book is. Seeing as lots of adults, including my wife, enjoyed this so much, I was expecting something a bit more grown up. It reminded me quite a bit of The Worst Witch, something I enjoyed as a kid. So if I had read Harry Potter as a kid, I expect I would have liked it, seeing as I am all grown up now. All I see is somebody ripping off a book from my childhood and not doing a particularly good job at it. You know when Hollywood make a new movie? And they have already decided there will be many sequels. They always seem to put less effort into the first movie. It all seems to be setting the scene, introducing (laughs) characters, and giving a bit of history on their lives. And after a while, you get bored and wonder why you are wasting your time with this. Well, that's how I thought about this book. Each chapter introduced a character or an item and then wasn't mentioned again. I'm sure this was all (laughs) setting the scene for the next books, though. So hopefully they are better. (laughs) I found the story quite interesting at first. The build-up to joining Hogwarts was interesting. I did like the bank, but once Harry gets to school, my brain started to sleep. The writing style reminded me of Fifty Shades of Grey and Da Vinci Code. Horrible, horrible, but worthy of two stars just because it got loads of people into reading. Thank you, Jason. Oh, wow. There's a lot to unpack here. I think the number one thing I want to say is that I have never met any adult in my entire life who describes themselves as all grown up now. I'm all grown up now, so I guess I've left Harry Potter behind, unlike my my very <laughs> stupid wife. My childish <laughs> baby wife. I just, I just like all the phrase all grown up. Like That sounds like a little kid. Like, how old are you? I'm a grown up. I can, <laughs> I can play Halo. Uh, um, just, for, just for some context here, um, they're profile picture is that picture that goes around sometimes of the crow holding the knife in its beak oh you know Mm -hmm. you know the one i know the Uh, one just adding some texture to this review and jason my Um, dumbass wife loves this book but not me it's setting the scene for some that's so fucking good the i think you might be onto something there with with it being set up for for six more books coming down the line Mm -hmm. um that's incredible uh thank you jason I did get a lot of people into reading for sure. So that's um, two stars at least. I really take exception to comparing it to Fifty Shades of Grey and Da Vinci Code. Da Vinci Code, Code yeah. What? I think uh, Da Vinci Code is closer. Da Vinci uh, Code, I would say, like it's a similar like page turner style for sure. Yeah. Uh, don't don't know about Fifty Shades there. I think that I think that what I could say of J.K. Rowling is that her writing is pretty enjoyable to read. Yes. Uh, for the most part, it's like pretty simple, uh, but it's like complex enough that it challenges you without making it hard to read, if that makes sense. And I think that's I would, like really yeah. good for children. That's always like been one of like the things I would put in the pro column if I'm talking about Harry Potter. Uh, Fifty Shades of Grey is a nightmare to read. It is, Uh, yeah. Hmm. Very poorly written in every respect. So I kind of, I kind of take issue with this, this part of Jason's review. Also just a weird comparison to make on its face. I would love to read Jason's review of Fifty Shades of Grey if he has one. Um, Let me see if, so so the other great thing about 
the other thing great thing about Goodreads is that um, the navigating it is so difficult. Fucking impossible. So I might fail okay. trying to find this out, uh, but I'll see what I can do. Okay. Um, While you're doing that, I'll uh, I'll look up some more pronunciations here. Search, okay, fifty. Nope, that one's a joke one too. I just want, I just want someone tell me, tell me how to say Bobaton and Fleur. I'm taking issue that this. I don't think this guy uh, reviewed it. Oh, he's oh so. Huh. Oh, never mind. I oh, just uh, found I it? I spelled it with um with numbers oh, and not oh. not fifty. F-I-F-T-Y. Oh, um, right. I was going to say, did you, did you put gray with an A instead of an E or something? But uh, Looks like Jason gave it uh, two out of five stars. Damn. Um, let me just... Uh... <laughs> okay. <laughs> two out of five. Time for review, I think. I was really looking forward to this. A mainstream book full of bondage and kinkiness. A, book, a book right up my street. Hell yeah, Jason. <laughs> Alas, this is some boring, soppy nonsense. The main characters are awful. Mr. Gray, look how rich I am, but I still wear tatty jeans. And Anastasia, I know nothing about sex steal. For an erotic book, there is very little sex. And for a book, there is very little that is well written. Probably about as much as there is in this review. This book gets one star from me with an extra star for getting housewives a bit into bondage. <laughs> they have a little another little thing uh i'm sure book two will be better smiley face <laughs> why why would you why, why would you think that you, like what basis what? do you have to think that <laughs> maybe he thinks it'll get him more into bondage <laughs> oh my god oh thank you jason <laughs> thank you holy uh, shit that wait, was better Oh, he commented on his own review of this. The real hardcore bondage is continuing reading through the series right to the end, smiley face. Got him! Oh, oh no. my god. Holy shit. I bet he's into gore. Ah, oh, definitely. Okay, I have to bookmark this guy's Goodreads page because I will you. be I will be doing a deep yes. dive. He has he has eighty eight eighty eight reviews, so I will be checking those out later. I'm oh, delighted. Please, please <laughs> keep me posted. <laughs> I have nothing that'll top this. Um, uh, but I will certainly read. not Jason. No, definitely, <laughs> definitely not. Uh, I don't, did he not understand that those were Dom jeans? Tatty jeans. Like yeah, those are his the, dom jeans. Those Jason. are the dom jeans. You Jason? stupid idiot. He says that. Those are my <laughs> dom jeans. <laughs> uh, so I have another short one for Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. This one is by Keith Jones. I finally read this book because I was told it was as imaginative as Alice in Wonderland. Well, no, it isn't. In fact, it isn't very good. It's amazing what people can get away with by calling something a children's book. <laughs> <laughs> what oh my did, god what I did it get away with water all over my my laptop there what did harry potter and the sorcerer's stone get away with keith oh my god being bad <laughs> <laughs> holy shit i love this website that's a two out of five star review by the way goodreads is the best fucking website online it's 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 like 
it's all of the like shitty combative opinions of <laughs> like a game forum but with the the like specific cadence and and like writing style and social clickiness of like myspace or something it is so good it's a combination of all of the best parts of online yeah i love it um so let me just check here okay i have one more of um harry potter and the sorcerer's stone all right um and this one is by and then i have a couple a little surprise ones all right all uh, right all right this one is by brad brad thank you is there any point in saying anything about harry potter and the philosopher's stone anymore not really not as far as critiques go if I were to delve into some interesting critical analysis of an issue raised in the Philosopher's Stone or take a critical look at Rowling's authorship, then maybe. But most everything that can be said about liking or disliking the books, about its excellence or its shabbiness, has been said. And while I feel I may eventually take a stand for those who appreciate J.K. Rowling's world's world of witches and wizards who think that these books occasionally achieve real excellence who connect emotionally to any one of the impressive characters she has drawn, I officially concede my inability to do so here. That was a one sentence. Jesus. But I will make this observation. Those who equate the Twilight series to Harry Potter series ah. for entertainment value, quality of storytelling, cultural influence, influence on literacy, or the writing chops of their authors are people you do not want to be taking book advice from. There Damn. is more than something in the Harry Potter series worth reading. I couldn't find anything worth reading in the works of Stephanie Meyer, except that it had been published. Boo! Got him. Holy shit. That did not go where I thought it was going. Yeah, yeah, because it started off like a little a little bit like, oh, why am I reading this? And then there was just that l little nugget at the end. I really appreciate this guy's review because basically, like, it's five paragraphs summed up to say there is nothing to say about harry potter except how much like how bad twilight is <laughs> yeah i don't like harry potter but boy that other book series huh <laughs> that's incredible i um i was going to say before the twilight twist was revealed there i was going to say hey brad listen to the shrieking shack um well, well and no, maybe I'll still there's say nothing that. there's nothing else to say about harry potter so i don't know what we're doing we're proving him wrong yeah, there's a lot so. to say about harry potter there's um i will get back to that at a future date i can't think of anything right now <laughs> well i mean i don't really expect you to since we say literally all there is to say every episode so That's we're probably true. like we're probably out of stuff until we yeah, read another two chapters uh -huh. <laughs> oh my cat is here hello gogo -Go. oh hi gogo -Go. hello Hello. The mascot, the mascot is here. Yay! Um, um, yeah. So, uh, so thank you, Brad, for that beautiful review and and that uh, taking down Twilight once and for all. I feel like Twilight didn't get uh, enough of a enough of a um, enough heat while it was popular. You know? <laughs> oh yeah, definitely not. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like we'll probably get around to Twilight. Um, we will. And I, I'm not super interested in criticizing Twilight because I don't give a shit basically i'll um, watch the movies 
oh, the movie's great. Um, but I do want to do like something about the Harry Potter Twilight War because Absolutely. it's, it's yeah. absurd. Um, it's so good. It's still going in like really small for pockets some of the reason. Internet. Yeah, yeah. It's like Harry Potter stuff happens, and and you'll still see people pop up in comments, be like, I can't believe anyone thinks Twilight is as good as this. Uh-huh. It's like who? Show me who. <laughs> Colleen, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so that's it for me for Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone reviews. Um, obviously I picked out my favorite ones that were funny. Most of the reviews are just like five star best book ever. Right. Pretty, pretty, you know, nothing. Um, but how, how do you feel we, uh, we lined up with the Goodreads community? Um, you know, I think, uh, I got the Sorcerer's Stone, yeah, I think Swords of Stone is a good book, and and um, I think that some of these reviews were a little harsh on on the uh, the childishness of it because it's a goddamn kids book, you know. So yeah. I think I think that um, I'm quite comfortable saying that you know what, first book, pretty good kids book. Uh, hit me with a star rating. I if I had to, I'd say like a four <laughs> probably. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's probably where I'm at with it. Um, yeah. I, I might. I mean, I I think the star ratings are kind of silly. I don't we think could, they're we bad. Could, we could do an entire but... podcast about about numbered ratings of books. Yes, I think. we could. Instead, I'm going to br- I'm going to bring out my surprise reviews. All um, right. So I <laughs> I think that we'll probably leave the Chamber of Secrets reviews for another time. Okay. Uh, when we can talk about the Goodreads reviews, but I am going to read some reviews for people who reviewed Chamber of Secrets mistakenly on the Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets sheet music for flute with CD page. <laughs> uh, right. This one by John Williams. Um, first review, two out of five stars, Hannah Wong says boring, which might be the only one that is for the flute. <laughs> the the uh, flute book here. Um, Dylan Ribock uh review chamber of secrets uh the flute book by saying i learned what a house elf was and how they are treated i don't think the malfoy family should have a house the upside is that they don't anymore fuck yeah (laughs) got him i agree that's a five-star review uh this one is also a five-star review i love the harry potter series I personally believe these books can teach you about life in amazing ways. It teaches you about loyalty, friendship, family, yourself, and above all life. This is one of those books that you forget you're reading because you get so interested in it. JK Rowling never fails me. (laughs) Even when she's writing a flute notation book, JK still has surprises up her sleeve. JK Rowling has done it again. Uh, Melissa Rivera rated it five stars. I read this book years ago. It was awesome. Loved how they discovered the chamber, the giant spiders, how they rescue Harry in the beginning of the book from his home. Loved how he who shall not be named tricked Harry into taking the diary. It was a great read. Great for children 10 and up, even young if they're advanced readers. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, I can't. No, actually, you know what? I I was surprised myself recently that I could still read sheet music. So, you know, (laughs) uh, maybe I could handle this one. Uh, And my final review... Uh, for this uh, it doesn't have a star rating but the review is just harry potter is phenomena 
That's it. I agree. Harry Potter is phenomena. Mm-hmm. It's true. Um, the other thing that I've discovered, this is the first time I've ever seen this on Goodreads. So I'll be, I, I'm very interested if there's like a bot community on Goodreads because there is just a wall of, um, I think, 10 to 12 reviews that were all posted on the same day. They're all five-star reviews, all by different names that just say a well-written book enjoyed reading it. Oh shit, I would love to de- I would love to deep dive into like what what's the seedy underbelly of Goodreads like? What are what are review for review things like between yeah. like independent authors? Are there bots? Do people have like astroturfing uh botnet stuff where it's like you know, like hey, if you if you slip me some money, I have I can get you, you know, a thousand star ratings uh uh on your on your book. Yeah, oh, but then they, ac- so then they accidentally posted on Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets sheet, sheet music for flute with CD. <laughs> <laughs> I had the trumpet version of that book. Oh, um, good. And I was so excited because I um, I loved, still do love the John Williams soundtracks for, for yeah. these movies. Um, and I was so excited to be getting like another CD of it. And I was so disappointed because it's all like, shitty midi keyboard like examples of the music and not, like, yeah i thought well, i thought i was getting a trumpet performer I, I playing my hedwig's theme on a couple different instruments so maybe we'll have to put together a duet the one the one bummer is that all of the sheet music is going to be for the melody so we're just, we're just gonna be kind of play, well playing Blasting over the top it. of each other but that'll be fine <laughs> yeah it'll it'll work fine i'm sure we can find like a like a orchestral arrangement or something where where we can pick some parts but yeah that would be fun yeah Maybe some good a good a good uh if we ever need new theme music we can make can make our own that way probably yeah sounds good to me um but as far as my goodreads adventure goes that's about all i have for today all right well i have a goodreads adventure for you oh really um you really sold that one. That was really good. Oh, uh, thanks. <laughs> um, there is a Goodreads reviewer that we are a fan of. I say mm. um, <laughs> mm, a little bit of trepidation. Uh, who is I will I think I will describe as like um, Reddit if, if Reddit <laughs> reviewed a thing collectively. <laughs> I like that. I wasn't sure what you were going to say, but that really nails it. Uh, this is this is from J.G. Keeley. I don't believe this person has ever enjoyed the act of reading something. No, I, do, I, I do not believe him. And I'm starting to believe that they're also not real. No. Because uh, the breadth of their reviews is insane. Um, uh, but uh, they are... Um, they Let me just like read the the bio here um, they are very very prolific if you like I, if i search jg keely like the name um like his goodreads page is uh like the first thing that pops up like like he is a a known reviewer i think um he's credited as a goodreads librarian i don't know if that's a big deal or not is that like a mod for, for i don't goodreads? know i have i haven't quite uncovered how this is all working Anyway, um, his interests are comic books, writing, theater, dramaturgy, atheism, role-playing, and Western CRPGs. Mm. Uh, And uh, about me, I am a critic, which is to say I am in possession of a poetic license to kill. (sighs) 
no author who who rates their own they oh this keeps going i clicked see more and it just went i'm so sorry of course it did where this is a new a new discovery here no author who rates their own book five stars could write a five-star book on what? my ratings, a number of different factors go into the star rating, and depending how an author performs in each, they can gain or lose stars. One, the writing from one star, awkward, badly punctuated, words used incorrectly, <laughs> cliche, redundant, to five stars, precise, meaningful, artful, utilizes consistent tone, demonstrates a unique authorial voice. Two, <laughs> the structure and verisimilitude from one star, characters behaving erratically, sometimes stupidly, sometimes brilliantly, as the plot requires, and have little personality or psychology. The world is not internally consistent. The plot is full of holes. To five stars, characters and world make sense, operate off of consistent internal logic. Characters act accordingly to their personality and psychology. Plot is well-paced, leading from scene to scene smoothly and with purpose. Three. The ideas explored from one star. Sounds like every other author in the genre. Ideas are poorly explained, contradict one another, are not fully explored, don't make sense, and rely on author filibustering. He would know a I thing hate or two this about guy. that. I hate, to I five hate this. stars. Author combines various inspirations and philosophies, creates a new vision. Ideas are explored fully, illustrated by carefully chosen scenes and characters, and seem to be well thought out and consistent. I like your fancy voice. This is a good is that, voice. I'm... That's that's your um your Reddit embodied voice. Like this is like you you go into the the Reddit matrix and you're you're the architect of Reddit. Uh yes oh <laughs> yes specifically that guy yes oh yeah hundred yeah, percent um, um yeah this this is if you if you go down the Reddit the the Reddit rabbit hold uh Reddit rabbit hole <laughs> that is who you will find and he talks in the, in that voice. Uh, but what he will say to you is, just to be clear, I'm not a professional quote maker. I'm just an atheist teenager who greatly values his intelligence and scientific <laughs> fact over any silly fiction book written 3,500 years ago. This being said, I am open to any and all criticism. In this moment, uh. I am euphoric, not because of any phony God's blessing, but because I am enlightened <laughs> by my intelligence. I know that that's a Reddit post, but I literally, as you were saying it, remember that this guy has also sarcastically reviewed the Bible. Yes, yes, that was how we found him, remember? Oh, God. <laughs> okay, well, what do you think this guy thinks of, of, uh, of, of Sorcerer's Stone? I assume bad, right? Like, he must just fucking hate it because he hates fun. Well, it's 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 a two star review. I will not read the entire thing because it's fucking endless. I just um, this is the thing. Uh, sorry, but Sorcerer's Stone is not a two star kids book. Like I just I don't care if you like it or hate it or whatever. It just <laughs> isn't. Like it, it it is like pretty above average quality for a children's novel. Yeah, right. Sure. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I I think that it is fair to say. You know, even if you are not a fan, I like the book doesn't catch fire when you read it, you know? No, and I and I guess I mean like I could see a valid argument of someone giving it a low star review because like I, I do think it's subjective in a lot of ways and like maybe you hated it. But by this guy's own like fake like Reddit Categories. objectivity rules, like yes. you can't give this two stars. <laughs> well, let's see what he has to say. <clears throat> okay. 
fairly standard kids' fair fantasy from Rowling as she introduces the world to the classic British fairy tale, which has been mostly forgotten since Tolkien spliced it with the epic. She mines gold from this rich and storied tradition, but doesn't really fashion anything unique from it. We can see the beginnings of Rowling's authorial failings, and a hint of her strengths as well. She adopts Roald Dahl's awful family trope. Though it's clear that Rowling does not have the gift of bizarre characterization or the knowledge of the darker parts of the human soul that make his books resonate. I hate him. She writes sympathetic characters, but not unusual ones. Overall, her writing has relatively little character or style. Then again, mass success often requires leaving the more unusual elements behind, so she relies on standard character types, managing to keep them afloat through the patented perpetual plot of the airplane book. Really? I wouldn't call this an airplane book. This isn't fucking, like, Michael Crichton, you know? Like, Yeah. Yeah, I don't know about that one. Simplistic elegance is deceptively difficult to achieve, and so it's hard to blame Rowling too much when she falters. It's unfortunate that she didn't put a few failed books under her belt before finding success, as such what? early outings are often best winnowed chaff. Her plotting, as ever, is scattered <laughs> and convenient, though in a shorter book it shows less. Her plot twists, as usual, disappoint. They are not built upon progression of events, but upon reader expectation and emotional red herrings. It's the beginning of an enjoyable series. But there's really no need to start any earlier than the third book, when Rowling finally finds her place and begins to learn more, he lean more heavily on that which she does well, which helps hide her faults. Watch the movie if you need a primer. George, just read the book. Read the fucking book. It take like if you're not like us and you're not reading two chapters a week, it would take like a day. Not even like it's a short fucking book. Yeah, I think <laughs> this guy's playing a character. I like can't even believe it. I it, there's a lot. There's so much here. Um, but thank you to JG, uh, uh, for for this beautiful review. Um, uh, and and you know you have the poetic license to kill, and I say I I I declare that book dead. You know you killed it for sure. Yeah. If I mean this is um as we're recording this, it is the day of Halloween, and I'm imagining if we were in a horror movie right now, uh, what I would do after recording this would I would turn on our first episode or like our postmortem of Philosopher's Stone, and it would just be us saying the JG Keeley review. Oh no! Oh, that'd be super spooky. Right. Or he'd join the call and ask, what are you doing reading my literature? I, yeah. I'd rather have, I would rather have Jason on the show. Oh, yeah, for sure. I thought you were about to say Jordan V. Peterson. Uh, and and <laughs> no. I was like imagining a world where they were having a debate on our podcast. I think they would uh, agree about everything. Uh, the, you know, the, it's, a, it's the tried and true uh you know english fairy tale and uh, you know about the darkness residing beneath the the castle of society knowledge hmm yes but have you considered that her prose is perhaps <laughs> a little amateurish perhaps not as refined as it could be mr peterson i can't uh, do this up i can't think, i can't i can't do the, this think of the ticket price of that debate oh my god oh could you imagine incredible <sighs> Uh, well, we finally cracked up uh, reading Goodreads reviews of, of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. We've done it. Well, shall I take us to the denouement? Yes, please. 
<laughs> our theme song is hot mcgonagall by cheshire moon you can check them out on Bandcamp. thanks to them for letting us use that as our lovely theme you can check us out on patreon.com slash streetcast uh we have so much bonus content for you guys now we have we have uh these nearly weekly uh common room chats where we're covering everything from more goodreads stuff to the hit cw show legacies <laughs> um which i'm super it's excited about hit. it's gonna be a hit it better be a fucking hit i'm so excited about it um and as is tradition as has become a shrieking shack staple i'm here to ask you what are we reading next week uh and as is our new tradition i make this executive decision and i'm going to tell you right now that this week we will be reading chapter 16 entitled the goblet of fire very exciting Mm -hmm. uh and chapter 17 the four champions okay cool another another two chapter one you think yep they're pretty short and uh i would say go together pretty well all right yeah that sounds good to me yep um no matter who you are, no matter how many reviews you've written on Goodreads, no matter how many stars you would give them, please read another book. Please read another book. To the dream, but there's a lady here there makes ocean raw seem tame. But I know what you're after if you catch a eye. Cause this hot mama is just a cat in disguise.